If you like to gamble, I tell you I'm your man. You win some, lose some, it's all the same to me. Hello and welcome to this very special edition of the official Motorhead podcast, The Motorcast. I am your host, Howard H. Smith. You may know me as lead singer with UK thrash band Acid Rain or from my heavy metal podcast, Talking Bollocks. My uh, name is highlighted in the description of this podcast. If you go and have a little look at that, that will take you to all of the podcasts I've recorded over the years. But here I am your guide around this virtual museum of Motorhead interviews that we have put together over the last few years. And today is a special episode. It's a special episode to celebrate Motorhead Day 2023. Happy 8th of May to you all, if it's a little late. And you check out the amazing new animated video, if you haven't already seen it, for Motorhead's cover version of Enter Sandman. Check it out wherever you can find it. There'll be a link in the description of this podcast. Go and have a look. Not yet. Listen to the episode first. Um, There's also a super, super limited edition 7-inch of this, which is available with the Warpick etched on the B-side. It looks amazing. Grab one if you can. They're only available at the official Motorhead store, and there's all sorts of exclusive merch designs. It's also available to stream in Dolby Atmos and 360 Spatial Audio 2, plus all the regular streaming channels. That's everything everywhere. And we couldn't have a more perfect guest on the show, could we? That's right. Former uh, Metallica bassist Jason Newstead, but of course... He has his own band, um, with Newstead, and also the Chop House Blues Band. There's all sorts of all sorts of musical adventures that Jason has been on, but also some wonderful stories about Lemmy and the boys. So, without further ado, let's hear some of those stories. Here is Jason and I having a chat about all things Motorhead a few days ago. Uh, well, hi, Jason. Thank you for doing this. Welcome to the Motorcast. Thanks for having me. An absolute pleasure. It really is. And um, I'm going to start this the same way I start all episodes of the Motorcast. Um, How did Motorhead first enter your life? There's a lot of really cool elements that I'm excited to talk to you about with this. I don't know if everybody starts their thing like that. We all have these connections. But um, I guess the world measures you by what you achieve or a part of what you achieve, you know, being a part of something that's bigger than yourself. Uh, if there's a great actor or a great doctor or a great somebody, they always have to have the awards that come before their name. Uh, Emmy award winning, uh, you know, Oscar winning, uh, Grammy award winning, all these things, right? So um, I was part of something that earned a lot of that stuff. And I have a lot, there's a bunch of stuff before your name, you know, just just for jamming, just for, for, just for rocking and shit. And so that there's... <laughs> And that's, I didn't make those rules, man. It's, we all play by them, you know? There's that, so that's where I want, that's the field I want to play on right now, okay? It's the field I want to play in so we can see. I'm telling the end of the movie first, and go back, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and everybody's fairly familiar with the things that I've d- done over time, Metallica and Voivod and whatever other great, fun, Sepultura stuff, and just cool, fun stuff, man. Exciting for a, for a kid. Um, we all come from whatever we come from, but my... Uh, uh, earliest years, I was raised on a small farm in Niles, Michigan, which is on the uh, southwestern corner of the state on the border of Indiana. 
Uh, so my first concert was at Notre Dame University Athletic Convocation Center with Ted Nugent when I was 12, you know, because he's huge in Ohio and Michigan and everything like that. It's something that happened to me. Yeah. Um, these bugs that I got bitten by. Um, so it was a small place with not, you know, we were, we were separated. It's like any kind of rural area. So I was only exposed to my mother and father's record collection and my older brothers, eight years older and five years older brothers, uh, record collections. And that was my world as far as that microcosm, you know, the uh, soundtrack to my microcosm or something. So, uh, I want to say first something that I found out later in my life as I became a fan of Motorhead, friend of Lemmy and the band and stuff, as we, you know, heroes becomes peers and all that thing, if that's even possible. Uh, but that type of trip. Niles, Michigan is where Hawkwind left Lemmy. <laughs> wow. They, they kicked him off the bus in Niles, Michigan. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. On the road, on the road that where the baseball field was, where my brothers played there, the next league past Little League. Okay. Yeah. I would always I would always go there and be their bat boy, their support, their thing, but I always had to see my brothers play their games. They were good athletes. And so that very road that we traveled up how many damn time back and forth to practice and games and all the things. Same road that they like kicked him off on. All right, that's where I'm going to start. Now I didn't that's find that out. I didn't find that out till later. Okay, but of all the fucking tiny towns in the universe, <laughs> yeah, and, and 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 we're talking when we're talking about the universe, man, bro. <laughs> yep. You know, right? It could be any planet. <laughs> yes. Yeah. They left him up in fucking Niles, Michigan, on the road that I would. What the heck? What's where it's where the McDonald's was, where the Burger King was, where the thing at the main fucking road right there in our little town. So I was, I guess I would have been 14 ish years old um, just before we left Niles. Um, I had gotten my first bass, my first bass guitar when I was my 14th birthday. So, right about that, when that universe was changing for me, that dude got dropped off in my town. Nobody, nobody would have ever known. Nobody would have ever told me that would have been something that would have traveled through our athletic uh, circles that said this guy from some crazy band in England got dropped up right there. But when I found out later, I'm that, that that's got to be a mistake. What? That's why. So that's that's where I start. Well, I went back even further than answering your question. Yeah. Even further than my first actual exposure to the band. See, I was there was already some kind of link in my heart. In my in my fandom of Lemmy and my base thing of Lemmy, um, for me that meant something. It means something to my uh, what do you call it? It's not what is the word? It's not legacy, but our relationship together. How I looked up to him for so long, and then we kind of got like this, and then he gave me some props and you know cool shit that developed over time. But that's where it started. And uh, at about that time, we moved to Kalamazoo, Michigan. It was the home of Gibson Guitars and you know, this place. A little bit bigger of a town, more developed, and, you know, this type of thing. Um, and I started being able to be exposed to more music. There was a record store named Boogie Records that was on the edge of Western Michigan University. Okay, right there in the center of the town. And uh, they had an import section about, like, that deep. Okay? Yeah. Because it, 
the time, I think this was 1978, Um, you're going to tell me when the Golden Years EP came out. Right. And Motorhead Girl School uh, 7-inch came out or 10-inch. I, I can't decide. I guess it probably was. Right? Was it? No. It was a, It was that big. Um, 10, it was that big. Motorhead's girl with a black and white cover, right in the red logo, Motorhead Girl School across the top. And then, um, mm, so whatever years that would have been, those were two or three of the records that were in the small import section at Boogie, along with Tokyo Tapes, um, one more Scorpions album, and I can't remember, something like Marillion maybe, or Saxon or something. Uh, but I bought the Motorhead that was there because yeah. of the name band just the name of the band and I, ace of spades might have been there by then or soon after the way that they looked on the cover and that um even for, for any of it for any of it the bass player was the leader he was playing a rickenbacker i was already way deep in getty lee and the gang gang fucking gang sound you know of a bass and something i want to bring in right here that is ultimately the most important link that I have to Lemire that we have, that he's made it um, okay for me in my life to pursue what I did. Full stop. Uh, he, uh, the story's been told quite a few times. I mean, I'm, you know, we're fresh here on this day and talking to each other, and I haven't told you the story before. So uh, when I first started playing my bass, I played with the fingers. Uh, I liked Geezer Butler and the guy from the Doobie Brothers and, and um, Rob uh, Grange from um, Tenuta's band and stuff like that, you know, you know, finger players on Fender basses and stuff. And then Getty played with his fingers. And so yeah. I tried to play with my fingers that you're supposed to do on the bass. Well, I kind of went crazy and we were also experimenting with different substances right about that time and drinking and stuff. And I didn't really feel what was happening as I was playing one night at a house party. Didn't, I didn't know at all what I was doing, barely. I didn't know how to tune it or anything. But I proceeded to with whatever we were on i'm not really sure um i wore the skin off of my these two fingers like all the way down a few layers right and so i couldn't play the bass strings like that for maybe a month it was so sore i had to wear covers on it and stuff um so i got a pick and i started playing i didn't want to stop i was so excited about learning and wanted to learn more you know yeah yeah and so playing with a pick and early on, maybe 16 years old, when I first started playing with other people that were in their 20s and stuff, because I mean, finding a bass player now is hard enough, let alone back then, bro. So finding a guy that had, you know, played bass, and I was influenced by, um, my parents were involved in the church a lot, and so these kind of, not kumbaya stuff, but folk guitar, where somebody always had an acoustic guitar, and I would try to sit in on the bass and figure out what they were doing. That was kind of an early influence before I got bit by the bug bug. But I always play with a pick. And even those guys would say, bass players are supposed to play with their fingers. No, yeah. even back, even, even the Jesus League guys, they're like, hey, what's up with that? And, and then as I went along, <laughs> there's that, that kind of little bit of shit that people would throw. You know, like, you play with a pick, not a real bass player, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, whatever, dude. This is what I do, man. What the fuck? It was still the same in my era. You know, you right. still, people, yep, a bass player, you should be playing with your fingers. My fingers like this when I watch the guys play that, like the James Jamerson and whoever, man, you know, I'm like, okay, get it. But I can't. I have to go like this. because. And so in that, um, you know, like necessity thing, 
I developed a style with a pick. And since we live so close to Gibson and everything, I had a cool Gibson guitar amp that I played my bass through and playing with a pick. So I already had that gang gang thing going. So when I heard Lemmy leading with that, with that, okay, Getty already had, he already had that shit, but not like that, right? <laughs> yeah. Not like that. He made it okay for me to do what I do. He yeah. gave me the legitimacy to keep playing with my pick, right? Yeah. To not even now, if anybody even said, "Well, can't really say much anymore," can they? Um, (laughs) (laughs) There's a thing that I still have fun with uh, when somebody brings this kind of stuff up, and usually maybe a younger player or somebody doesn't quite get the score of it yet. You know, like this is the style I developed. Um, There are uh, there's one billionaire with a B bass player that exists that I know of. You may know more, but I know one. His name's Paul McCartney. Yeah. Okay, and then he plays with a pick, so that's we're gonna start there. Uh, and then the <laughs> next guy down from that, just to maybe a couple hundred grand down, would be Gene Simmons. Okay, plays with a pick. Yeah. Okay, in there somewhere, swimming within some of that range is Sting. Okay, pick thumb, whatever mm-hmm. that kind of never a rule on any of it, just what the bass sounded good on. Chris Novoselic from Nirvana, he's up in there too. Okay, believe it. Believe it. They sold 30 million records of that first freaking three years of, you know, that whatever that record was, Nirvana. Okay. He's up there. Right. Play with a pick. Jason Newstead. I'm swimming <laughs> somewhere. I'm swimming somewhere right there. I play with a pick. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's the way we started our conversation about how the world measures shit. That's how the world measures shit. Yeah. Okay. So all those guys play with a pick. The biggest earners on base of all time play with a pick. Boom. Whoa. What the fuck? Really? Okay, that's that's kind of a big deal, but way way more important than that. Even in this right here, you know the, the cash and all that. Lemmy's the coolest one. Lemmy's the <laughs> without doubt coolest bass player. Okay, he played with a pick the whole fucking time. Did anybody ever say no? They didn't because they know better, right? Let the music do the talking, bro. Look at the scoreboard. Yeah. Look at the fucking scoreboard. Yeah. That, that kind of thing. So that rounds my thing out about how he made it okay for me to do what I do still to this day to play that way. And, you know? Yeah. You felt it, like, you felt like it was kind of, you were being validated. Absolutely. Correct. Legitimized, validated. Absolutely. That's right. And so those records from Boogie Records from the import section, that's how I was introduced to Motorhead. So I put that stuff on over and over. So back then, you know, still needle on the final man. You know, learning that shit over and over, and it stays right there, and it stays right there, and it stays right there. And if you um, look at the uh, photographs, rewatch video from uh, when Metallica played the Lemmys for uh, Lemmys 50th birthday um, in Los Angeles. Yeah. And if you, when we're standing next to each other, when he and I are standing next to each other, look at how we're holding the instrument specifically, look at how our hands are on the instrument. Everybody touches it different. Flesh is flesh, you know, all that shit, right? Look at that. It's exact ergonomics, exact hand placement. Our shit is the same because that's how I learned to play in game with the chords and the fucking game. You know that? Yeah. That was a blessing, man. And so that's how deep it goes for me. And then beyond that is, you know, there's lots of other cool shit. That, that must have been that must have been a moment on stage as well when you're stood there, you're holding your but you're playing your bass and you just kind of, you know, you could just kind of 
catch out your peripheral vision. Wow. And there's Lemmy and his hand is the same. That's a moment right there. And you know, we were jamming pretty fucking loud when we did the opening. We, had, we brought a bunch of gear in that tiny room, right? It was, Big Mick was was absolutely determined to crush fuckers, right? And, and brought all all that gear in, and we were we were fucking rocky. Um, when Lemmy came on, you know how he always does. There's this uh, he's over gang gang fucking gang, checking, looking around. Goes back to the murder one, one more notch. There we go, like that, and then we're motor ahead and we play rock and roll, and you know that thing right there. But he always turns it up one after sound check, sound check this thing. Everybody's got it dialed. Okay, you got it. Cool. One more, right? Yeah. That's what, so that's what happened that night. So we had our shit going. He comes up and the one more. So it's, you know, the two Rickenbackers, man. Just yeah. like that, with hand placement, the same style, the same attack. Evil. Um, I had learned uh love like a reptile and we had a real crew and all i mean so so many of the songs but those two were the first two that i learned and sang in flotsam and jetsam uh before we had a proper singer and stuff so really? i've been i've been singing those ones since i got that record basically so that's what that's 40 some years right yeah um, yeah so those ones are, are very close so um when we were doing rehearsals and I told uh, the boys that I had played them and sang them way back in the day, and I got them right in here. You know, I just said no need for any kind of anything. Let's just go. And uh, so we did that, and they dug it. And so I'm singing whichever one it was, Reptile or Oker or something. Um, and he comes over to me and like getting really fucking close. Don't fuck it up. I, you know, he he'd been he'd been hitting it. He'd been hitting the Jack Daniels in that big mug since 5 p.m. And we're probably at 10.30 at that point, right? So he was in his 50th birthday. You know, he's just, whoa! And everybody yeah. around him saying, we're very encouraging about it all, of course. And we want to be on it. We're, we're, we're uh, willing participants in all of this, man, for sure. So we got going. He, was, he would whisper on my ear and try to fuck me up and try to make me miss lyrics and stuff. You know? <laughs> Tell the story about him, you know, like rubbing his warts up on me and whispering in my ear, fuck it up, mate. You know, it's just incredible shit. Incredible shit that I will never, ever forget. But there are um, amplifiers being next to each other and the voicings of them being so complementary to each other like a crazy, awesome wall, you know, of that of that sound that we, that we both developed with our picks. A crazy wall of Rick and Backer noise. Yeah. Oh, dude. dude ooh, ooh. Yep. It was beautiful. One of, one of the best moments for me, for sure, of, of all the time, because uh, the subject of when people kind of, you get eye level eye with the people you looked up so, so much in the past. Yeah. Um, pretty wonderful, man. Pretty wonderful. He gave us our props that night, man. All of us. But I remember um, I, I was trying to think of all the things I want to talk to you about uh, through the time. Um, the first time I actually met him uh, in Berkeley, I'd been in the band for ooh, maybe uh, eight or nine months. Okay, so we're in the spring of eighty-seven ish. Right. Okay, right? so we're we're in the we're in the hazing years. Uh, yeah. By by all parties connected too. You know that within it, <laughs> I, I, I could 
kind of rode through the other stuff and kept myself light and jokingly and whatever. I was I was pretty happy to be there, man. It would take an awful lot to dissuade me at that point, I promise. <laughs> um, but everybody would get in on it. You know, right. some here's a new guy and then that thing. And so the 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 uh how many ever degrees of separation, band guys, crew guys, and all the things would get in on it. But um rightfully so, and I'm glad they did. I really am. I really am. Because I can learn the hard way on a bunch of shit, but I help them, you know, think about it. Um, I think that was the thing they needed to accelerate my comprehension of what was taking place there because I was so new to it all. And they all yeah. helped do that. But that's really what ended up happening. That's how I look at it now as well. Uh, so we're in Berkeley, went to see Motorhead, and I'm with the uh, Metallica guys, and I'm in Metallica, man. And we got, you know, we're in our leather jackets together like we used to hang together back in the day, you know, like a gang, you know. And, uh, of course, they already knew him. And the only person I've ever seen get away with in my life, uh, calling James Jim or Jimbo even, um, just doesn't fly. Usually people catch a mouthful, you know, if somebody says something like that. It's like telling Malcolm that he's small or something. It's the same thing as saying, uh, calling James Jim. But um, Lemmy could get away with it every time. And he did it on purpose because he knew he could. <laughs> oh, that's sweet. <laughs> Uh, so I'm very excited to see and they're loud as crap as usual and I hadn't ever seen them live you know I like jumped on the thing and I never got to see them when they came through Phoenix or anything like that And but the first time I saw Motorhead was with my guys and uh, so we go back after and I'm just I'm jumping out of my neck man gonna meet Lemmy and this day I just seen him and then my ears are fucking ringing you know and Reach my hand out, say hello. Hey, pleasure to meet you, man. I'm Jason. I play Metallica, and I'm like, I know who you are, you cunt. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, dude! I will never forget that moment. Oh my god, talk talk about the christening. It was right there. But that—that's yeah. acceptance, right there. Oh, dude! But he meant it though. He <laughs> meant it. He meant it. He did know. And I'm like, oh, my God, really? Yeah, you know, yeah. I inside myself, I'm like, fuck, he really knows? Fuck, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you can't. Oh, incredible. <laughs> incredible, bro. <laughs> that, but that is, that is. And, 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 yeah, I absolutely get it. Like, wow, he know, like, you know I exist. Oh, come on, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, big time. And that's and that's also a that's also a like a a conflagration of like a number of experiences. You know, you the you get to see Lemmy, you get to see Motorhead for the first time. Then you you just casually have to go on and meet him. But to develop the style that did the flotsam thing, got the record deal, got me into Metallica. The fuck, man! Because I played like that. Yeah, I'm sure they would have liked to have a finger player or whatever. Ultimately, but look what happened when we did it that way. God damn, you know. Yeah. Great, 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 great. Different, you know, each, I think, um, each live uh, configuration of that band, now that they're on Mark Three, you know, they really have been great, great. McCliff was there, it was fantastic for what I was, a pioneering, oh my God, top this, you know, type of shit. Yeah. And then our thing was so solid when we kind of took hold of the horns and then kept taking it to the people to build that following to the place it got to in all the right place at the right time and the way the world was working at the time really played to our event but we worked so hard 
in those 15 years to get Metallica to where it was and could take all the blows that it took through the first aughts. You know, a lot of shit went down, a lot of interpersonal things. So you had to be that strong and better to be able to get through all that and still look at him now, man, stronger than ever. It's this thing. So all that stuff had to happen. If I wouldn't have got the Motorhead records at that time, played that way, went and played with those guys, sort of like I could play as fast as them on bass. Hmm. You know, I don't know if I would have been able to do that if I didn't listen to Motorhead. Yeah, and the thing is, is like this, it, it it all makes much more sense the the older you get, you know, when you yeah. when when you see the way everything is connected. Absolutely, man. Yes, and how the world kind of shrinks down to about that big. <laughs> yeah. That connection, that connection, we're all in the same boat type of thing. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Um, the one like uh, world citizen type of trip that takes place when you play that many places and meet that many people. It's just, uh, man, it's such a great blessing to be able to see all the, all the heavy shit to make you appreciate what you have, but also the other really great things when people come together, the energy that can be created when everybody's there for the same reason and stuff. Some beautiful, beautiful moments for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I presume you play, I mean, you know, did you play with Lemmy more than once? Because I know he used to he used to kind of like guest occasionally if he was in town and jump up and play a song with you guys. Um, I know that we shared bills and stages. Ah, That's more right. Operating Motorhead, Voivod, and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, Voivod, uh, Newstead Band played um, on download when Lemmy was there at one point. And, uh, as far as him coming up on the stage with the band, I think that that happened after I was gone, that he would actually come up with us, like that other than his birthday party. Well, you had the birthday party, man, and that's 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 the one. Can't really top that. Can't really top <laughs> that. No. The intimacy, the camaraderie, unbelievable. Well, that was what I was going to go on to say. I mean, it, this is – did you – did you go on to be what you would call friends? Um, I didn't have phone call contact with him or things like that or any correspondence that way. But when we did see each other, it was always cordial and mutual respect was shown. You know, um, he, he uh, called me by my name, man. That's all I needed, baby. <laughs> well, you got one better than Jay. You got one better than James then. <laughs> That's so funny. That's so funny. It's really, that's one of the best things ever. Yeah. You're the godfather. You can call anybody who wants you want. But do you know what? That is, that's a great term. And I haven't, you know, I've been doing this a while now and nobody, nobody said that. Do you know what? The godfather of, of, of all of this. No doubt. No doubt about it. And there's other, there's other like God uncles and stuff. Yeah. He's the God. Yeah, without a doubt. And it must have been, I mean, it must have been, like you said, strange when you kind of first meeting and and playing with them and then consistently seeing them over the years. Were you able to keep in touch with them musically? Did you, you know, still get the albums, go see them live if they were in town and stuff? Uh, whenever we shared festival stages, I'd always see them that way. Um, I yeah. don't know. I'm not sure if I caught them otherwise as a spectator when we were in the same cities or something like that. I'm not sure about that. Well, let's um, face it, you probably weren't home for about 15 years. It was, it was, yeah, it was intermittent. Uh, 
the one of the graphic artists that Lemmy worked with for quite a while and um, right up to the end, who I think Mark DeVito, who's from Northern California, and he also you know worked uh, with uh, lots of Bay Area bands and has helped us through our everything Echo Brain, Voivod, Newstead, everything I've ever done. Mark has helped us with. Um, he's a great he's guy, cool. and he's been on the podcast as well. So if you're listening, go back and look for the Mark DeVito episode. That's where we got our link from. So um, he, I think, was fairly responsible for keeping me abreast of what was happening with Motorhead. It was always a, some, something there. To, if something was really happening, he'd make sure to let me know. That's kind of oh, how cool. I was. But I, I never got tired of any of the new songs that they would play and the live thing when they did whatever on a lot. That's good for me, man. There's certain certain artists that it doesn't matter they can do no wrong they're you know tom waits and los lobos and let me and you know it's a handful yeah well nobody no no one else quite had that groove it's the hmm. <laughs> yeah i know how how to put it into words the respect that has been earned that's it Okay, everybody has different piles of it or whatever collection of it, right? And depending how how much you do work the globe, that gets it. It's a universal thing, right? When you work that many years consistently, you stick to your guns that long and do that and still sound like that all fucking time. You're the winner. Yeah, you're the winner. Okay, so if you went that many generations of look, sometimes depending on the, the scene or whatever, the generation of listener could be three years. You know, Britney Spears, a two and a half year span of a generation of a listener. When the rock shit and the metal shit starts happening, man, it's forever. You're Generational. Life. You know, you all, generation after generation, keeps coming to see Motorhead. That's why, okay, that he earned the respect of all those generations that long and influenced so many players, you know, because of the, attitude sticking to your guns you always knew what you were going to get that that's hard to say for too many by acdc you know what you're going to get motorhead you know what you're going to get metallica you usually know what you're going to get um you know there's only a handful of those too yeah so he's he's the king of that that's why that's why yeah and also you know a great a, a songwriter a philosopher and somebody that i always felt um was who's it, intelligence was it was so obvious and it again that for me at an early age helped me kind of validate you know being in this this world you know and you'd say to your parents look listen to this guy you know just just listen to him being interviewed like you know no he might look the way he looks but you need to rethink your attitude judge a book by its cover is a big mistake and, yeah, and he was he he was the ultimate of that. I mean, you know, I've said this before on a podcast. You're talking about a guy that the British government were happy to have in adverts advertising the benefits of drinking milk. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah. What? Let me let me drink in a big old tall glass of milk and wipe you know wow. wipe the milk off his moustache. Sorry, I missed that. Oh my goodness! Maybe I did see it and made myself forget it. I don't know. <laughs> uh, that's 
that is amazing. I get your point. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. And it's just like it's probably kicking around on YouTube somewhere. I'm sure it is. Um, but so um, the respect shown from even that place, the circles that are um, uh, crossed over that I found in, in the ambassadorship of, of this, of this American metal music or metal music in general, uh, the walks of life of persons and occupations and vocations that you cross over and accept, you are accepted into these circles. You can stand in a party, uh, gathering of some kind of doctor and a lawyer and a astronaut and a whoever and the, this guy with this view and that thing. And you come step in and they all, Listen to what he has to say for a second. You know, that's what I that's what I see there. And yeah. I know that I definitely experienced it in my life. And I oh yes, it's kind of like a calling card. Um, how many world leaders and whatever your time didn't want to be a rock star for one summer or something, at least, you know, or have some guitars at home. There's always that element, right? There's always that thing that plays. And I think that his uh, his reach was very broad within that kind of thing, too. He got mad respect from a lot of different uh Angles. Yeah. And also not just the, the bass playing um, <laughs> aspect of Motorhead, but just the music in general. When when you're first hearing that, there's nothing else around like that. Yes, for sure. Yeah. And and, it, and that feeds it. That kind of feeds into where you're kind of musically heading already, I guess. The um, hybrid nature of what they assembled or what they, you know, brewed up, uh, punk elements, trippy elements, heavy, crazy elements, but because of the instrumentation and the actual tonality, the actual sound, okay? Can, yeah. get anybody, can anybody can turn an amp on 10 and make it distort or whatever, but what about the force of that, you know, that thing? Like this is necessity and beyond almost. On that, right? Playing guitar, based yeah. on guitar amps and things to make it that that aggressive thing. Uh, they definitely set the standard for that. Uh, many have emulated and not quite hit it. Yeah, yeah, and you know, just complete and total pioneers. And of course, you know, you're. Um, I don't know. I don't know how to phrase this. You're making you're making a a, a return after a a, a kind of ten year stay away from the uh the world the world of metalists a self-imposed exile is what i wanted to sort of <laughs> I, but it but again that, that makes you sound like a politician who's done something wrong <laughs> uh, you know but you're coming back um i've had an awful lot of fun man i, I uh i had you know <laughs> really been fortunate to have some great opportunities and go and make noise for people and they scream back at you and all that. So that's very encouraging always, right? That's just a, a great thing. Um, and through all of that, uh, I've been able to call shots since about 2000, 2001, you know, I've been calling the shots on whatever I want to do with any day or any week or any month or any year. And so uh, all the music that's been made and paintings that have been made and other travels that have happened and all the other, a whole nother life or two since I left the big band, you know? Um, so when I stick my head out to play some acoustic stuff over here for a benefit for the art school, or I get over here a little bit heavier with some friends, some people see it, it's in somebody's backyard, or this 
just because that's what I felt like doing at the moment. Um, there hasn't been any profit-seeking things for music for me for a long, long time. You know, it's all, it's all really uh, just because I get to do it, man. I get to yeah. do it when I absolutely calm and shucks. So um, the Chop House band, actually, uh, you know, I built the studio in 1992 uh, from the Black Album. And all the people that have come through the doors in California in that place, um, so many different styles of players and exposure to different things to hopefully make me better when I go play loud, you know. Um, had to come to a culmination for me. So when, last year in April, uh, the Top House Band did a really nice show at a really nice theater in, here in Jupiter, Florida. And... Um, songs that I've been working on for some years, different instrumentation, and, you know, violin, female vocal, and just beautiful, beautiful layers of, yeah. But original music, and a couple of, you know, Johnny Cash here and Neil Young here, but mostly original music. Um, playing acoustic guitar most of the time, a little bit of electric guitar, but not bass. And lead vocal. And singing, not just growling, you know. So we did that for, for quite a long time, messing around on the porch with the people at Chop House, and then it came to a culmination at this point a year ago uh, with that big show and then uh, went to make a record. So I spent the rest of 2022 making the Chop House uh, band volume one. So like a culmination of these 30 years coming to this place with these recorded 20-some songs and mixed down 12. And so it's kind of hanging out right now for people to share when the time comes. But I completed that. Within that week of that big theater show, uh, Jesus Mendez uh, Jr. and Jesse Farnsworth, the original members of the Newstead Band, came to guest uh, at the very end of the program uh, at the theater. And we went for a little bit heavier. And in the meantime, the days that surrounded it, we went, we're at HQ kind of getting, having some fun. And got bit by the bug again. And I said, would you guys be down with trying, you know, fire this up again 10 years later. And just because we were, we were all looking at each other and smiling and like, can you believe we're still alive? You know? I mean, for real, this is, this is kind of crazy. And it's really good. Everybody still the chops are up, you know, everybody kept their chops up. Beautiful. That means they meant it. Uh, so a few weeks back, got together again. I've been auditioning some guitar players through February and March to try to find, because Mike Mushock, uh, the guitar players were stained, right? And they got a new yeah. album out. He's busy with his, his proper project there. So uh, got a guy, Umberto Perez. Uh, he's from Caracas. and He lives here in Florida for a little bit now, but he was an uh, exceptional player. And so he took Mike's spot. And we decided I'm going to try to do one. I decided very selfishly that I'm going to do one show. Whoever wants to come and check it out, lucky enough to be there, then so be it. Um, I hadn't done any kind of public metal thing on my own other than, you know, the Boy Bot shows and the different tours over time, but not a thing launched from Florida like I do with the acoustic stuff, where I just go out and do one, put the stuff in the back of the truck, drive over there, play and come back, you know, just to, just to keep to keep it together, have some fun, 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 fun is the word. And I reached out to people <clears throat> locally and said, where's the cool gig? And they said, it's Revolution Live in Fort Lauderdale. And uh, that's where you need to go. That's where all the proper bands go. And I wouldn't have known, man, because I just don't go out and do that thing that much. 
So we booked it and guys are getting together and <laughs> getting all excited about it. We can put 20 songs together for a set and uh, do this one-off show to prove to myself that I still can. And that really is the first term, the first requirement. Yeah. That I do it for me and show myself that I still can, but also get a feel for what the fuck goes on anymore. Like what is actually happening out there? So yeah. many, so much internet and the thing and styles and the mishmash and hip hop and backing tracks and what the fuck, all these things, you know, yeah. I don't want, I don't want any part of any of that. And in the advertisement it says just for this show, old school metal at its best, you know, that that's all I can do. <laughs> I'm not going to pretend there's dragon force or did it or whatever the, any of that stuff is, man, it is what it is. But in particular, I'm glad that, and one of the reasons I really wanted to go on to this podcast first, um, I had an idea about uh, doing like a motorhead style band and very, very tongue in cheek. It was a real fun subject matter, but but me playing the bass like that and singing again and having guitar players and double bass drum and all that and real punky three and a half minute songs. So I wrote the six or eight songs, eighty filthy animal. Pick that drum beat, that drum beat, or that drum beat. Okay, you pick which one, and then I write the song around that for three and a half minutes. Then this one, I write the song around that for three and a half minutes. Then this one, and I go back again and back again and do it three times and write those songs. So that's what the songs were first, all with the Rickenbacker in the beginning. <laughs> Simple punk, not really as complex or involved or layered as the Newstead Heavy Metal Music album of 10 years ago which is kind of you know almost progressive in spots uh, this very direct very direct bass cranking loud with a pick and then the guitars around it, but wall of sound you know orgasmatron style um just but most of it fast most of it fast so right. that's what we're doing we're doing at this show um there'll be three or four songs that uh from the first newstead album but the rest is all new and then the two Motorhead songs that I've done since 1980, whatever, will be the uh, in there as well. So the style of this Mark two or three of the Newstead band is very Motorhead flavored with the new songs. And uh, right. it came from that idea. There was talk, I don't know, a couple of years ago, people had said, you know, uh, would you ever be interested in taking part in some kind of Motorhead tribute thing? And I'm like, well, that would be up my alley. I think I could pull up a few songs or whatever, but I, I know I would never do it if it was some silly money grab crap or anything like that. I wouldn't even man, cover my expenses and I'll come on play. It's not enough. To, like I said before, it's not a profit seeking thing anymore. Um, I don't know whatever happened to that, but the reason I brought it up at all and touching on you with the set, it's not just about it. It's about the force of it. Well, what it's about is being able to play that bass with that kind of fucking pressure and and keep that singing together like that. Man, Tom Waits is not the best singer. Even Mick Jagger, none of them guys that made the most money at it, right? It's the attitude. It's the charisma. It's what, is it appropriate for that sound? Fuck yes, it is. Anybody else singing in motor? It ain't going to fucking work. 
You can have somebody come up and try to do it, you know, just get by as an homage. But anybody coming in and trying to do take that place, you're out of your goddamn mind. There's no, it's not possible. It's yeah. just not something that could be entertained at all. It can only ever be a tip of the hat. That's it. But, but when I tried to learn some of the other songs that I hadn't spent time learning as a young man, I'm telling you, this shit is challenging. Okay, it's equally as challenging as any tricky Mastodon, whatever things that go on, or Devin, Towns and stuff. It's very complex. It, it is as demanding. Is it as technical on the board? No. Is it as demanding? Yes. Because keeping that together with that type of intensity, that's not an everyday thing. It's just not. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, and it's, it's a very subtle difference as well. I can sing and play bass and everything, but to that level for that long with that kind of, man, that's hard. It's really hard. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I, I do love the fact that you're coming back, you're doing this one-off show. I love the fact that you're, that you're, you're playing those, those kind of two songs that started it all. You know, you do it, you're doing that. That's way back pre flotsam record deal shit. This is properly going home musically. Um, there's something that I gleaned from doing the acoustic shows because the audience was, you know, three to 93 for real. And I could play those different songs and everybody would sing along. I would, I would do, um, uh, this land is your land. You know I mean? If that's what the kids want to sing along, then I would do it. And all the old folks would too. As long as they're bringing money to give to the arts center, fucking hey, let's do this. You know, I'm I have, yeah. what am I worried about? I can prove anything to anybody. It doesn't mean shit. I just go out there, do my thing and have fun with it. There's, I don't know why I even started going down that wall. Um, I lost it. What were we talking about? Help me. Uh, yeah. Well, it was more kind of like the fact that you're going, you know, back to those, the roots of those two songs, you know, that, that pre oh, here stuff. Here it is, here it is. Okay, I came back now. So by playing in front of all those people, I would also, um, they like to have the song not really explained, but maybe give them a little uh, history on it. So I would say, this song is from a writer way back in the day called Utah Phillips. And it played this song, and it's this kind of, you know, this country, old cool country song. And I say that this one, it was, you know it played by Johnny Cash, but it was originally played by this man, and this was his version this way. And then we, you know, as soon as I heard Johnny, yeah, right, but they didn't understand. But I would yeah. try to give a lesson, a lesson, or some kind of chronology within the show, like some kind of a little bit of something, you know, because the audience was what it was at the art center. It's not just, you know, you're, try, you're trying to get across to people. Read your audience, right? Number exactly. one, read the room. Yeah. So within all of that, um, and touching on what you were saying about, and I'm glad you recognized it, going back to the original songs that made me want to play. So out of the, I don't know how many Metallica songs that I've actually performed or recorded with them, some hundred and whatever it is, I don't know that we've played together and around live things somewhere or another. Um, Which one would I pick? Which one, if I was going to touch on, I think, where I've been, which Flossom song would I play? Which uh, Voivod song would I play? Maybe which Metallica song would I play? One. If I pick one, if I pick one single song that would be appropriate, what do I play within the set for the people after 10 years? And for the same reason, 
And in the, in the same afternoon that we would record it on our little silver recorder, uh, Whiplash was the first song that I ever learned by Metallica. And the first one I ever sang playing bass in what turned out to be Flotsam and Jetsam. So the reason that we're playing Whiplash at this show is that reason. I could have taken any other ones, but as a fan, as a, 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 somebody that loved metal and going all the way back to the origins of learning the music, that's why I had to choose that song because I, it made me want to play and made me want to learn it. I performed it all the way from back then. That's why I'm doing the Motorhead songs that I chose and the other songs that I chose that are going to be in that set. They all have meaning and, uh, and depth to the, to the show. That that's I'm um, I'm that just begs the question. I have to ask, what was it like the first time you sang that song in Metallica? Um, the words are so far ingrained. Uh, I had great confidence in it. You know, um, usually it was an ethereal, elated, holy shit, gravitating, levitating, levitating is the word, not gravitating, levitating. <laughs> type of shit. I mean, it just would be when there's such when there's such strong doses of adrenaline and everything. You you float, man. You float. You float around. Um, and maybe the test of any um, person that takes on healthy challenges, athletically or this kind of thing. Uh, how do you process? How does your system maybe involuntarily process adrenaline? Uh, do you get shaky when it's time for a fight? Or do you, or do you get ready to launch? Are you are you on yeah. your feet? No. You loosen up. You clear in thought, or are you but, clouded? And yeah, that's right. Or, or or somehow involuntarily scared. You don't even know how to control it type of thing. But once you get a chance to get going, then the other person's that's not good um, because you're so amped about it. You know, you don't know how to process it. Over time, getting dosed and dosed and dosed and dosed. Like you know, we, there's quite a club of us that have it. Ours is a little more exclusive, but. Uh, athletics and uh, extreme sports and bands that get those doses, they know what I'm talking about. It's uh, sometimes really tough to come down to, but it's a, it is a real thing. Yeah, yeah. And the thing is as well, I, I mean, what I find that, that when you were talking about that um, that kind of adrenaline, and um, I, I always find that I actually think about a whole process more afterwards because because leading up, no matter what it is, you are focused on doing a good job. And when you're doing the job, you are in the moment. The time to actually deal with it and process it is afterwards. Mm, that's a pretty good point. Uh, anticipation is one of the, I want to say, top five uh, best things in life. Okay, you should allow yourself anticipation you should allow yourself to count the days down to your favorite concert comes you know this is this is real you shouldn't uh, anticipate going to a nice dinner anticipate being with the people that you like to be with anticipation is such an important thing so sometimes it makes you unreasonable or unable to really process to comprehend what's going on so after it's happened then certainly you can maybe 2020 hindsight and all that yeah you know yeah but there's also I, I always find as well there's kind of an element of like oh right okay so like I actually did that that thing that I was like really like it's happened mm. um, with songwriting and also related to painting very much uh, often I don't plan out either of them yeah and 
and just let it happen. Yeah. And so I just put my tools in front of me and make sure that there's green lights everywhere, that there's not going to be anything that stops me in my momentum. So the guitar on a stand and the bass on a stand and the drum machine and the thing and the thing. So I can just go right there. So I just and make it happen. Well, you know, and nowadays you can capture it almost as quick as it comes. So if you're able to do that, just, you know, have user-friendly stuff around you that way. Same with the paint. So make sure the paint's mixed. Make sure that stuff's ready. That's ready. That's ready. That's ready. So if you go from that one, while that's drying, go to that thing. Well, that thing come back. So there's always momentum. If you let your stuff lag, then you're going to lose the dose because you can yeah. get adrenaline other things too. Why I said it was things you don't realize that were even in there, but because you've poured good material in. So you pull, pour in motorhead and scorpions and all the other cool shit and I'm with something that is, you know, maybe cohesive. And the same with painting. You take in good uh, energies, good stories, good other images of your heroes, and then spit it back out. And the main thing, in it, if you didn't plan it, and it gets done, and you step back and you cover it with paint, you're like, that was in me? Whoa! You know, be almost, don't be afraid to be fascinated by yourself, man. Don't Not, not in like, egotistical, I'm the greatest in all that shit. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about talking about the uh, it's a German thing, Funktionslust, where you you your lust of function, your appreciation for what you can do. So not everybody can do what Lemmy did. Not everybody can do what you do. Not everybody can do the things right. This is yeah. what you do, right? So don't be afraid to enjoy what you can do. It's easy to say and sometimes hard to achieve. There are a lot of people that can play an instrument. Have spent time on learning literature and how to put together words and these things. Yeah, but you gotta, man, you gotta get in there and do it. You gotta give your chance itself a chance to fail. Right? I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm. Well, I, I spent 25 years doing stand-up comedy, so I know all about getting up there and allowing yourself to fail because that's the first five years right there. No doubt, no doubt, and then trying this and trying that and trying that and making yourself vulnerable. And you're other when you're a comedian, painter. Okay, when you're a band, yeah. everybody takes the hits together. Glory and or otherwise. When yeah. it's just, just you doing the brushes, the juice, you've got to write the thing, and then you have to present the program by yourself, right? Yeah. If if there's three seconds left in the game, right? Who are they passing the ball to for the shot? You know, that you because if you hit that shot, it's like fucking A, right? And everybody's going, dude, you did it. And if you miss that shot, you right? versus reward. So when you're on your own, you have to take the good and the bad. When you're on a team, you can take the, you can share it sometimes. Oh, absolutely. I did a spoken word show at a venue that I'd played with my band six months previously, and I have never felt so naked. Ooh, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Literally, like, there, but there's nobody either side yeah. of me. Yeah, right. there's no backdrop to save my ass. There's no, no, yeah. None that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I know I appreciate that. Um, I mean, that's why, and that's like you talk about athletics. That's I'm totally obsessed with boxing because mm -hmm. it's it's that same thing. You it, and you can have a team all the way up right to the edge, and we can, you can yeah. say we in interviews all you <laughs> like, but but when it starts, it's just you. That's that's something for sure. Yeah, yeah, wow. definitely. Definitely. Look at us, knowledge. Amazing. But so, you know, when is this show, by the way? When is the show happening? Because I'm sure there's going to be so, people listening who are going to want to hear about this. 
Yeah, I hope so. Uh, Saturday, May 20th, Revolution Live in Fort Lauderdale. And there's stuff on uh, NewsteadHeavyMetal.com and ChopHouseBand.com. And there's starting to be some spread of the word. And I really, uh, that's what we're trying to do here. Let people know, like I said, anybody wants to come down and enjoy this thing and have some fun with us, that's really what it is. That's really what it's coming down to. I'm not trying to do any uh, competition stuff or any of that. Just, just going to jam loud a little bit for a while. Cool. Cool. I mean, look, I, I can, I can hear them. I can hear the motorcast millions. I can hear their feet tapping and I can hear them heading towards the ticket office in old school style. Why, why order it online? <laughs> Tell you what, there's, there's actually some, some cool songs happening. I'm very excited about after all these years, being able to be excited about that, the simplicity of this punk rock that we're playing now. It's, it's pretty freaking awesome. Oh, that's brilliant, man! It's and and it's it's great to hear you and such um such enthusiastic and um and you know just re ready to get back out there. Yeah, um, when you surround yourself with the right people, like you're speaking of the team and everything, yeah, people come and they contribute uh, when not asked to contribute. Like they make it better. They they put in these things that maybe you didn't even know existed that they learned while while they were out of your sight, or you know come back together and they got this to give and got this to give the digital recording things and um, what the other guys have learned through time and help us do these recordings of the rehearsals. And it's incredible, man. I, yeah. I really, because look into these younger cats and they're so on top of these things, you know, new crew we have together and everything that's on top of this shit, man. I love it. I love it. I, I know because it's like it's like you know we we only had instruments to learn. They're learning instruments and IT. Yep. Yeah, and then there's and then there's the whole social media aspect to every single project there is. So uh, yeah, yep. you've you've got to be multi multi talented across everything if 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 you're going to get noticed. I think that's true. Now there's uh, so much more competition in that, um, and I know that there's. Because of that, it's harder to get uh, people to give something a chance here or there, whether it's new or it's been around for a while. I get that. But I do know for sure that no matter how fancy any AI or any of these things ever get, nothing is going to replace the flesh and the Rickenbacker and that and people feeling the force of it, the togetherness. Yeah, the whites of each other's eyes and the thing and singing together and shit. There's nothing can replace that no matter how fancy she gets. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know what? That that there couldn't be a more motorhead way to um to 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 wrap this up, man, because that that's you just described motorhead right there. It's true. You gotta stay with it. And there was always the visceral. You know <laughs> could you imagine? you imagine if somebody uh, came and presented Lemmy and said, hey, man, we're going to put these uh, recorded backing tracks while you <laughs> Dude, what the fuck? Can you imagine? I would love to be in the room for that. Well, all I, all I can say is that um, he likes you and he called you a cunt. Just imagine what that guy's <laughs> getting called. Oh, is that? Oh, my gosh. That would be clash of planets but well, i tell you what I, I would love to hear what he would say about that he would drop something so so righteous i just know in just a few words too oh the thing is as well is he would he would call out if he heard that like there was peers 
of yeah. peers of his using them he would yeah. he would he he would say so because hey guys you do use them so yeah. you know tough i'm going to call you on it yes yeah, I guess I was just reinforcing the part about the uh, you can only you got to take it to the people one person at a time. Even no matter how many followers somebody may have or this stuff, you still got to take it to the people one person at a time. In my opinion, absolutely, absolutely. Jason, thank you very much. Thank you for your help, man. Everybody, come down and see uh, the Newstead Band one-off jam in Fort Lauderdale Saturday, May twenty. And swim over from over there, okay? <laughs> yeah, I will. So uh, just uh, getting myself a set of trunks and an oxygen tank and um, obviously I'm going to be swimming to Florida. Um, I hope you all enjoyed listening to that as much as I did doing it. It was it, it was just great. Really, really cool. Very generous with his time, Jason was, as you've heard, because that was a long one. Um, to, to celebrate this special day. And you also heard that Jason is back on the scene. There are links in the description of this podcast, or you can just head on over to newsteadheavymetal.com and you'll find everything that you need there. So thanks again to Jason and thanks to you for listening. What did you do for Motorhead Day? I hope you had a good one, whatever you did. And just remember, subscribe, tell all your friends to subscribe. If you haven't subscribed, subscribe and share the podcast with as many people as possible and let's keep this truck rolling. Take care, everyone. Look after each other and I'll speak to you again soon on the next episode of the official Motorhead podcast, The Motorcast. I don't say agreed. The only God I need is the Ace of Spades. The Ace of Spades.